Good morning. Good morning, sir. Long time no talk. I know. It's been, uh, we skipped a week. You were traveling, right? I was at a lake house. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, lakes are great. Mm-hmm. I already knew that. I, but I learned a new thing, which is that boats are also great. Mm. So I got my uh, boater's license. Oh, did you? Hampshire. Yeah. Which was a bit of a thing. But once I had it, I rented a 24-foot uh, pontoon boat. Okay. Uh, which is those sort of like big, flat, casual party boat type things with a canopy over the top. Mm-hmm. And man, it was so much fun. Like, I loved driving people around. I liked going slow, just like floating by, looking at houses. It was fun to like go a little faster and do some tubing and like run people over wakes and bounce them up in the air. And uh, we, one day we took the boat uh, across the lake to a town and like tied up at the town dock and then went and had lunch. It was just like, it was just, I was like, okay, I get it now. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. The boat culture is very big here in Minnesota and I, I haven't really done it much myself, but I mean, there seems to be an, an appeal to it that uh, a lot of people take advantage of. <laughs> yeah. It, I sort of never got it until I, until I had one, like we, we had a, we were waterfront and we had a dock and so we could just pull the boat up to our own dock and have it tied there. And so it was like after dinner, it'd be like, anybody want to go on a cocktail cruise? I'm like, yeah. I was like, all right. So we'd hop in the boat and just go around a little bit and it, it, man it's so it was really fun nice that's cool yeah. so do you see yourself eventually like owning one of these or do you think you'd always just rent it yeah yeah <laughs> i mean owning it sounds like a huge pain for sure we have been looking at lake houses as like a family uh, to potentially buy and now it's like ooh, i guess now i kind of want a lake house with a dock and a boat <laughs> yeah which is upping the complexity yeah yeah but yeah, I, I, I get it now. It's nice. really fun. Did you feel like you were able to kind of pull yourself out of the stresses of work then? Was this sort of like a nice, a nice getaway from, from that kind of stuff? It was, yeah. I, I did a little tiny bit of work, but not much. Uh, I mostly was just enjoying the time. It's kind of my idea. Like I was there with like some friends and some family and like playing a lot of games, a lot of card games, a lot of board games, cooking meals together like sharing meals with people, going on the water, going on the boat. It was pretty much my ideal life. Nice. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just camped and I'm not a big camper, <laughs> but <laughs> I have a friend who enjoys doing expedition-y type things. And I've gone with this friend up to the Boundary Waters before in Minnesota, which is like a pretty rugged camping experience i didn't do that this time but um yeah in prior years it's like you canoe into these like remote lakes that are pretty much untouched and and portage through different lakes and man you're really disconnected i didn't feel like i could swing that that much disconnection since i don't really have a lot of redundancy right now um <laughs> on the product front like i needed i needed to be decently close to uh to internet connection at least cellular so we decided to do this uh it was a canoeing trip down uh, the Namakagan River in Wisconsin. It's a like a very clean uh, river, like you can see to the bottom pretty much the entire time. And it was definitely an experience. It was a it's a pretty shallow river, so we were we dealt with like a few. I mean, these were very 
easy in the grand scheme, but like a few areas of rapids where like you're you're steering around rocks and trying not to trying not to flip your boat over and finding a nice campsite individual campsite along the river and setting up shop and cooking and just kind of living a simple life for a couple of days was uh was pretty nice. I love that. That sounds really nice. And you don't even need to hike in between. You're just floating. Right. Mostly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a pretty swift current too. Like I, I've mostly spent time on just like lakes to like take a kayak out or something on one of the chain of lakes in Minneapolis. And a river is quite different. Like I haven't spent, I, I rowed a bit a couple of years ago, but, but you're in a rowing shell. So it's, it's different, you know, but it was kind of fun to be like swept by a current along a river. You know, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Did you have your stuff in dry bags? So if you did flip, you would. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a couple of big portage packs and then things in dry bags in there and just like lots of, lots of layers of protection. I had my, I had my laptop and I had it like, like triple, <laughs> triple bagged <laughs> and uh, trying to keep it as far away from water as possible. I'm like, this is my entire livelihood. We can't, we can't ruin this. So how long yeah. was the trip? Uh, we went out on a Friday, came back on Sunday. So we, we basically were on the water kind of three, three days um, or two and a half days. Nice. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was an experience like that really makes me appreciate my creature comforts, like coming back into civil, even though it was a very short period of time. Like I'm a tall person like you. I sort of have become pretty accustomed to my exact setup for like my pillow height and like all of my kind of sleeping arrangements. And when I um sleeping in a tent, I still need to like iterate on the gear a little bit to make sure I don't like just toss and turn all night. So I didn't sleep super well, even though like the temperature was perfect. It was like a cool breeze all night. I'll keep iterating on that, but because I think it's a good, it's a good thing to get outside of uh, your comfort zone for a little bit, at least once a year in doing something like that. Yep. And, and resetting your appreciation of luxuries for, is just a great technique as well. With the lake house thing, I, I was definitely one of the organizers of the trip and so it's it's relaxing in that i'm like doing fun things and hanging out with people but i also feel a sense of like responsibility for the overall enjoyment and like i was the only person with a boating license so it's like i'm gonna like stay sober so we can like take the boat out and so it's like i wasn't like fully just like kicking back the whole time and like i'm, I'm concerned that other people are having a good time it's vacation but it's not pure relaxation and like just chilling out but camping I find to do more of that. I find that to be more effective in like calming my brain down. I think like, you know, the, the internet getting away from the, the phone and the, the stimulation and the, all the sunlight and the outdoor time and the physical exertion and all that. I usually do feel like I'm, I'm by the end of those, I'm usually a lot more chilled out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice not having like imminent chores around you in terms of like like household things to do. I mean, there, there are chores to do when you're camping. You like got to set up your tent and you got to, you know, prepare whatever food you're doing. We had like a little gas camping stove and like we made fajitas one night and like there was just, we pre-cooked the meat, but there was a little bit of chopping to do. And like, so I'm sitting there on a rock, like with a knife and a little makeshift uh, <laughs> cutting board, just slicing up bell peppers and onions. And, but so like things are simplified and like, you don't mind the little tasks like that when you're out there because you've got nothing else to do, you know? Exactly. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. your your life becomes very small in a in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Like your 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 circle is what you can see in the ten feet around you, and are totally. your basics covered? Yep, yep. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't been camping in a long time. I gotta I gotta get back to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a I have a ridiculous story to tell you. Yeah. Ooh. 
Do tell. So my car has tire pressure sensors in it. And it's been giving me these warnings, like your tires are all a bit, a little bit low. Like they're supposed to be 40 PSI and they're 37 or something. And it like, every time I go to my car, I'd be like, tires are a little bit low. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to take care of that. And it's been like, this has probably been going on for months. <laughs> okay. Um, but like, I don't carry like quarters in my car. So like I would see those air things and like, oh, I don't have any quarters. Okay. Uh, I got I to gotta remember to get some quarters or something. And then finally the other day I was going through a car wash and I saw they had an air hose thing that took credit cards and i was like oh great i'll just do this right now and so i stopped and i swiped my card and it was a dollar and 10 cents for four minutes of air time (laughs) and it took me a little bit to it was a weird thing i'd never seen before where like you set the pressure you wanted on the machine and then it would like auto turn itself off which I, i wasn't used to and so i kept being like why isn't this working and i was a little confused and by the time i figured it out i had already burned some time and I was like, okay, I, okay, now I see how it works. So I started moving through and I got three of my tires done. And then the machine shut off. And I was like, I'm not going to waste a dollar and 10 cents just to get the last tire. And I like <laughs> put it back and drove away. <laughs> thinking like, yeah, that was the right call. I'm doing the right thing here. And then I was like laying in bed that night being like, what the hell did I (laughs) the hell was I thinking like it was the sense of like oh it's so wasteful I only I only need one more tire but like the money totally inconsequential and like it it meant that I hadn't I hadn't finished the task like I'm still getting the warning because now I have one tire that is low (laughs) so I spent the money didn't finish the task could have just pushed it over the finish line but like it was just the like oh it was the wastefulness of mm-hmm. that extra dollar where I was like, oh, that's like, I only need one tire. I'm not going right. to reactivate this thing just for 30 seconds. <laughs> but in the moment, I, I, I thought it was the right thing. That's what blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Our brains are not necessarily innately wired to be that rational. You know, like we're, yeah. we have so many of these pitfalls, right? And I think uh, if I'd had someone with me, they would be like, what are you talking about? Like, just do it. And I'd be like, oh yeah, of course. But in that moment, I was like, no, nah, I'll just come back later or something. Like, I'll, sh- I'll show this holiday gas station. You're not going to get yeah. another one done. I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like mad. I was, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's a no way. Like, I wish I had another minute, but I'm not going to like give in to your scheme. Get yep. another dollar and 10 cents out of this guy. I'm too smart for that. <laughs> and so I just drove away. I was like, oh, my God. And then to say that I have like thrown hundreds or thousands of dollars at much stupider things is uh, an understatement. So it's like, man, what a what a crazy brain bug. Yeah, I have a friend who um, uh, recently bought a house like in the last year and he and he became like aware of this fact that like there's sort of this inverse relationship between like quantity of money spent and amount of time considering things like you agonize over like running shoes or something and it's like okay well, i'm gonna spend 250 dollars or 150 and like what's the different attributes of them and you like do all this research and then when it comes time to like buy a house oftentimes like in this current climate it's a very competitive environment so you like decide all right we're gonna we're gonna buy a house all right this is the neighborhood we want to be in and then you set a realtor off on it and then they like find it and then within 24 hours you're making an offer you know and it's like uh, it's mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. Like some of the like, largest oh. decisions you make are the least considered. Right. Like, oh, we got to like raise the offer by $25,000. Like, okay, well, we want the house. So let's do that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's so funny. 
Yep. So anyway, I have one tire that's low. <laughs> and perhaps someday I will come across another air machine mm-hmm. that accepts credit mm-hmm. cards. And this yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So that's up on that that brain bug. Oh man. I would appreciate a pull request to fix that one. Yeah. Yeah. PR's welcome. So I'm working uh. on I'm working on some some a bunch of sales deals with big companies. Yeah. Yeah. The the enterprise pipeline is very enterprisey. We got some like uh some unicorns plus in there. Um which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And these are all just inbound. They've just kind of stumbled through the pipeline. Like you haven't gone out and like correct prospected for these. Yeah. Correct. And it's but it's inbound in this in the way that we get it, which is um a handful of people signing up, usage expanding, bills going up, them reaching out to us saying, hey, we'd like to get an agreement in place. Mm, yep. And then, hey, do you offer annual billing? And we're like, yes, we do, actually. <laughs> we're, we're very happy to offer that. Also, I um, I have kind of a small achievement unlocked, uh, which is I said no in a negotiation and got what I wanted. Nice. <laughs> which is cool. Nice. It, was on pr- it was on pricing. And like we, we, we bent on some things, but not on other things. And I kind of did the like, they're like, can we do this? And I was like, nah. And they just left it for a day or two. And they kind of just left it for a day or two. And they came out like, okay, we've talked about it and we're okay with that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Having a good sense of where you're, what your leverage is and what you're willing to, willing to walk away if this requirement is there. And yeah. yeah. And I didn't even phrase it as like, it's this, take it or leave it. But I was just like, I don't think we can change that because of this you know, let me know what, how that works for you. And they were just like, yeah, okay. It's like, oh, hey, nice. So I still haven't quite had the like, this is a deal breaker for us conversation. Um, but uh, progress. Nice. And uh, remind me, do you have help coming for this role? Like yes. to, to talk to these people? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so I hired someone. Actually, I, I checked with him this morning and I can say his name. It's Stephen Dolan. Um, so Stephen is our new head of sales and success. He's starting in just a couple of weeks. He's starting this month. Um, but he and I are already emailing back and forth and sharing links and uh, creating Google Docs and and all this. And I'm I'm very I'm very optimistic about this. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's, it's kind of just like right away. It's like oh, like the ideas he's sending over seem really good to me. His organizational style is a good m- match. It's a good. Uh, foil to my own and i'm just also really glad to like be that there's someone coming in who is like conscientious and diligent and excited to tackle this kind of stuff because there's just an increasing amount of this sales stuff and it's and there's more and more like pieces to it where it's like oh we got to process this renewal over here this company that we have an agreement with already wants an updated security questionnaire we have to go update our vendor profile over in this person's payment system. There's all these tasks where it's like thousands of dollars are on the other side of these tasks and like we should do them. Um, but it's not, it's not my strength. Yep. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm proud of you for not doing the typical bootstrapper thing to do, which is like, oh, this stuff's painful. So, and I don't want to do it. And therefore we're never going to do like sales, you know, like that's, I kind of it irks me now when I hear that like such an absolute take on that because it's like you don't have to be the one doing that work but if there's thousands of dollars on the other side of it just hire somebody <laughs> totally 
I understand that mindset. Like I feel like I've, I've had that not that long ago in a way. Yeah. I think part of it is the, is the visceral pain of like imagining someone's salary, like kind of coming out of your pocket basically where it's like, okay, if you, if you are a bootstrapper and you're paying yourself dividends, it's like, okay, like this salary, like basically directly comes from me. That was the thing that I feel like I struggled with a little bit. I was like, okay, I know for sure the profit will at least initially go down and that hurts me directly. And like, even though I am convinced it will go up over time and is the right thing to do. And I think is I'm, I'm excited about it overall. It took some like, you know, fighting again, I get that irrational brain to be like, but the dollar, I'm going to lose the dollar right now. Huh. That's so interesting. Yeah. That you've almost, you've sort of conditioned yourself to sort of consider company funds as like, like you've seen the the flow of that turning into a dividend check. And so it sort of has, has changed that wiring a bit. I always like was very interested in how like differently I think about company funds from like personal funds. And it's fun when it's like you have a bank account of money that is for business. Then it's like, okay, well now I can just like, I can have a conversation tomorrow and we can come up with a scheme to like, yeah, let's run an experiment. Let's spend 10 grand on this thing and do it and see what it yields. And like, it's so much easier to make that decision for me when it's company funds versus like making a $10,000 decision with my own money, you know, (laughs) even though it's like technically I own the company, but um, yeah. Yeah. I still am overall. I have that still. We're like, let's buy a laptop. Let's buy a desktop. Like, you know, spending money with spending tuple dollars definitely feels different than my own. But for the big things where it's like, okay, we're committing to this per month for, the, for like, you know, this person's like, wow, that's kind of a lot of money. Just, just like my early interactions, I think this is going to be like a big help for us. I'm excited to have kind of the other side of that, which is like, yes, there is this expense, but like, look at, look at what's happening now. Like, look at the, look at the awesome person we've added to the team. Look at how we're able to do more now, letting me focus on the things I'm better at and have the other things not just handled, but, but leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. Have an entire, an entire human brain dedicated to this area, <laughs> like for 40 hours a week or whatever, you know? Um, I think I've, I'm like falling into like another sort of classic founder thing of like imagining that all the things that Tuple is going to do are going to be kind of like managed by me where it's like, oh, like I'm intimidated by like, you know, oh, we're on Mac OS and Linux soon. And like, that's going to be so much more like design work or like, like, like product management work. And it's like, well, yes, but that doesn't mean that Ben has to do all of it. There are ways to hire employees and like spread the work around and get people who are even better than you in these various spots. Um, and, but I, I'm still, I'm still sort of in that, I'm struggling with that kind of like that irrationality or that fallacy or whatever, which is like, the more we do, the harder my life gets. And that doesn't have to be true. Uh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. working on it. Yeah. I mean, you're still in the hire when it hurts kind of mode right now, which feels different. Like I could see not wanting to go with like the super aggressive growth route where you're like building out teams well ahead of them yielding a return to you. Like what uh, oftentimes a venture capital backed startup is kind of mandated to do where he's like, you got to staff up big time and then you have all this complexity and you have a huge burn rate going out the door like that feels like I wouldn't want to sign up for that. That's really stressful. But I think what you're talking about here is like, you know, all right, you have like so many sales leads coming through the door that like these need to be addressed and you need someone to focus on that. And like the ROI is pretty, pretty imminent, even if it's not like immediate, you know, it's like within sight. 
seems not too stressful um, in that sense. No, it's good. And yeah, it's going to, exactly. It's going to immediately alleviate a pain for me. Yeah. It's yep. not just, I think we could use somebody over here, um, which I don't know that this is exactly the right way to hire. Like there's, I think we've probably, like we, we also just hired another engineer who's starting this month. Um, excited about that as well. He seems great. And it's like, yeah, we probably could have and should have hired more engineers sooner, um, considering the amount of work there is to do. And, and also the, the fact that our, our ambitions are growing. There's probably a sweet spot between hire when it hurts and hire opportunistically. Um, and I think we could, we could move a little bit towards the opportunistic thing. Like every time I hear about other companies at various revenue levels or sort of scale, like sophistication levels, they always have like three times as many employees as we do. Right. <laughs> right. Which is, is kind of great because like, okay, we're very profitable. We have a lot of, um, a lot of buffer. We could screw things up. We could you know, give huge discounts or refunds or change our pricing or like, it's nice to be profitable. That's, that's awesome. So like I would kind of generally choose to be a sort of lean operation, but you can take it too far. Yep. Yep. For sure. At the expense of your own, like it not being sustainable for the founders totally. really, who end up totally. shouldering a lot of exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. At, at our expense, basically. And honestly, like, like the customer's expense too. Like if we had hired, uh, an, an, like if we'd hired better, like more great people sooner, the product would probably be better than it is today. One of the reasons our pace isn't higher is because we are limited by how much stuff we can do at once. Um, so there's so so we kind of suffer, but also the 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 company's potential suffers a bit too. But um, we have two people starting, which is kind of a big deal for a small team. So I'm going to post a job ad for the Linux developer. So I think we'll be adding another set of hands there. So you know we're we're going the other way for a little bit, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's exciting. That's good stuff. Yeah, I think. I think like the end of the year into like 2022 could be like pretty, pretty awesome for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the long-term trend is looking very promising. Making some investments once they're, what do you think the ramp up time is going to be on these new hires in terms of like getting up to, you know, full productivity? Yeah. So the, the engineer, Matt, his name is Matt Casper. Um, he, I think we'll have a longer ramp up time because the project is complicated. And so that will take a bit of time, I think to, to get, to pay off but maybe two three months before he's like, like starting to like really ship features maybe six to nine months to like be a like fully ramped person steven on the sales and success side i think is gonna be much more immediate like we we're already like i'm already like sending him a lot of stuff and we're trading a lot of information he's he's kind of like pre-ramping and i think there's there's just sort of less you don't need to go learn a giant product and all kinds of new technology uh, to start having an impact there. So hopefully more immediate there. Also, final thing for me. We should turn off the contact form on our podcast website. <laughs> Do people submit that? It must go to you, not me. It goes to me. Never... <laughs> it's always junk. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're seeing these, but like I get almost like every day maybe like a pitch to have somebody come on the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, no, I never see those. I'm okay, glad you're yeah. filtering them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, we should like, I would, I want, we got to hide our emails and like turn off that contact form and just stuff. Cause I just, it's, it's, I don't think it's ever been a good, it's ever been someone I would, I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. 
no. needs yeah. to happen the other way. It needs to be more um, organic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about making or like you send an email to we don't have guests at mm-hmm. no thank you dot com. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, I'm so, all for it. Let's turn it off. Okay. What's new with you? Um. Yeah. So been, the shipping spree continues. Um. I got. Yeah, it does. I, I, now I'm trying to remember because we we took a week off on recording, but I don't even know if I was talking about iCloud integration that last time. But I may have said I was going to start scoping it out or something. But but you went ahead and shipped the whole thing anyway. Went ahead and shipped it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So iCloud, unlike Google and Microsoft, iCloud just operates on the CalDAV protocol, which is sort of just like a, a pretty old school like specification protocol specification. It's like very different than a REST API. I don't even know how to like characterize what it is, but like you're using all kinds of different verbs than like get and post, you know, it's like there's a prop find and a report and like all these different verbs and communicates over um, XML and it sends back like multi-status responses. So like batched responses by default with like status codes I've never seen before. So there's a lot of like just kind of quirkiness to this. And it's kind of interesting because there's like no, there's like very little documentation other than the spec and blog posts of people like talking about things they've built. And I looked at a lot of like libraries that are like CalDAV clients and like in languages that I can kind of parse. Like I looked at JavaScript libraries and and Ruby libraries to kind of get a sense for like how people are querying the API because there's just like very little actual documentation. Of course, Apple doesn't have any documentation around it. <laughs> They're just like kind of like, oh, yeah, it's CalDAV. That's all you need to know. Go figure it out. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a fun little like puzzle. Like I kind of kind of managed to um, think of it that way and like sort of like felt like I was reverse engineering an API basically and like aligning my discoveries up with the spec and seeing kind of interesting quirky ways that Apple decides to just deviate from the spec, which, you know, and of course none of that's documented. So um, felt like I was doing a little bit of moat digging here, you know, by like like discovering like some of the ways are like, oh, anytime Apple, you add a location field, it adds this like improperly formatted property to <laughs> to the calendar event. And like like most parsers that are following the spec would choke on that. And the one that I was using did choke on it. So I had to write a special exception for that. And like just some little things like that. Still discovering a few small things here and there as more people connect their calendars. But um but yeah, overall, like it was, it was a pretty fast build out, all things considered. I thought it might take three or four weeks and it was like probably like a week, week and a half of effort. So I'm really stoked about wow. that. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Yeah. It was probably the number one requested thing by far. Like I had a, I had a list of like 40 people who had, who had over time requested this. Um, and so we got to uh, got to email each one of them individually and follow up and in, kind of invite them to to try it out before officially pushing it live and got a bunch of people who were super excited and connected their calendars and then once once I felt like oh I'm not really seeing errors coming through and everything seems to be working fine then we just uh, shipped it this week. You're a beast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like this may not be able to go on forever. I really don't know. Like, like I'm in a good groove right now and I feel like. I'm just going to keep rolling with this cadence as long as I can. Um, and maybe it won't last forever, but especially while I, while it's seeming to work, I'm just going to keep, try to keep this up, keep the momentum going, you know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, 
I get an email from you every month that's just like packed full of new stuff. So, I mean, don't stop that. Yep. Yep. I think it's been a really effective thing, especially when like we haven't really been doing a lot of content marketing stuff yet. So like we don't have great excuses to email other than new product updates. And so like it's been cool working with Corey, trying to think about how to like how to basically leverage the product work we've been doing as basically marketing and you know it's like this email goes out to customers and canceled customers and people who you know signed up but never actually started a trial so like the whole um the whole group of of people who have ever come into contact with the product are getting these updates and hopefully they're feeling like they're feeling the momentum too and that gets people excited and and inspires a certain chunk of people every month to uh to either come back or try it so for sure plus you get your annual upgrades in there i imagine Mm mm-hmm Yep. Yep. Yeah. Get a nice little bump every time we do that. So, and then the last time I talked about churn a bit, I think, and got a lot of like, this is probably the most notes I've gotten from, from folks, just little DMS here and there. Like, Hey, heard you're thinking about churn. Have you thought about this? Like, so it's been cool. Like people shared some ideas and stuff. And, um, so where we're at right now on it is we are going to experiment first with setting up churn key and they're basically, a product that controls the entire cancellation flow. So it kind of replaces like the cancel button in the Stripe billing portal. You just disable that and send them through churn key instead. And sort of like is a, it's like a pretty smooth experience. Like it does to me, it doesn't feel too cumbersome. You can, you can configure what your flow looks like exactly the steps that you guide people through, but you're basically trying to trying to draw out of people. Like what is the reason that you canceled and you kind of present them some options and then you give them opportunities to like, to like ask a question if there's something they're not clear about and they got frustrated with. So you might be able to save some people through that route. And then the ability to pause a subscription instead of fully cancel it. That's another piece that kind of work into that. So I think that's just what I love doing is like hooking up a tool that is like highly optimized by people who have thought a ton about this problem and figured out the copy that works the best and the UI that works that's the most intuitive it's like when I it, this kind of I'm hoping it performs similar to when I hooked up Profitwell's Retain product, which does like um, involuntary churn recovery. And like before, I was just using the Stripe emails that would go out and say like your card failed, go update it. And like that was we were losing customers left and right <laughs> when that was happening. And then when I hooked up Retain, like we we save like almost everybody who has a failed charge. Like so whatever they're sending, I don't even know. It's kind of a black box. Like whatever emails they send out and then like little nudges they put in the UI, it's like extremely effective. So I'm kind of hoping we'll just see like a little bit of change just from like implementing a bunch of best practices all in one one fell swoop. Yeah. I mean if you can plug somebody else's thing into handle a small a niche thing that they can sweat all the details on that's kind of nice yeah yeah that churn thing is interesting i want to sort of level up we, we use churn buster which is you know does a sort of standard email campaign to try to recover things but sometimes when it gets desperate we like or like the bigger the higher value ones will do like personalized outreach um, and the really big ones like i recently emailed the whole team being like something's wrong just so you know like you're all going to lose access to this and then the, it quickly gets a response so i think there's some some more like advanced stuff that you can do that actually to help there mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. yeah a lot of that's like 80 20 like you 80 of the way there on just stock like churn buster follow-up and then the rest of the other 20 percent, you know kind of custom yeah yeah 
I feel like that email-based Dunning sort of thing, it feels pretty commoditized to me. Like, I think everyone just does, like, we're going to send N emails over this cadence and give you a hosted page that people can update their credit card without uh, logging in. Cool. Great. Pretty standard. But I think there's, for the high-value ones, there's more to be done. Um, Like, I I I wish there were a more premium offering there where it's like, okay, if this starts to happen, like, if it's worth X dollar, like, above this, this threshold... It goes to our, you know, recovery experts. Like potentially someone might need to like try to call the billing department or the the accounts payable department or something at the company, you know, like totally. Exactly. Like, yeah, just get get humans involved who are experts at this. Maybe the pricing model shifts then we go for like, okay, it's it's 100 bucks per month to send automated emails because whatever. But then like when you have a, you know, a a $5,000 a month customer. Uh, whose credit card stops working uh, that should probably not just be the same emails and you know if we maybe we get work at a percentage kind of like a commission almost on the recovered versions for those because yeah there are times where i want to like flag something like yeah where i'll just be like oh hey uh let's let's not let the automated system handle this this is too big mm-hmm. and this is a perfect example of something that i would love for their just yeah productized service to handle it where you don't have to build that that expertise in-house that's just like it's a it's just something that someone else, I would love someone else to handle. You just pay a, pay a fee for it, you know? Um, totally. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder how much like, like revenue ops you could, you could do as a productized service. Oh yeah. Like if someone yeah. were like, okay, also uh, look at all the customers and like reach out to some of them and try to get them to upgrade to annual. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw like ProfitWell has, they're, they're releasing new products in this, along this vein. So they were just nudging me about this term optimization, which they call it, which is basically like figuring out optimal times to nudge people to upgrade to annual. And so I haven't actually turned it on yet, but I think it's just kind of a toggle in the UI and then you, you give, you like give them some additional information or something. But, but I already have like their engagement tracking set up. So it tracks when, like how often people log in and use the product and time spent in the product and stuff. So I think they're, I think they're inching closer and closer towards like, using you know a little bit of ai or whatever to to figure out when the optimal time is um you can kind of see the direction heading which is cool yeah yeah this goes back to that idea that we, we keep talking about which is there's there's just like a million good things to do to run a SaaS business well there's like so many optimization points um and it's but it's it's really hard to, to do them all as a small company yep yep where there's an opportunity i think eventually we'll see businesses doing it for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally and it keeps it fun i mean i was i was um chatting with my mastermind group and it's like when we just had we had a really good mastermind call talking about like kind of the next things up on our list of things to try and experiment with and it's like SaaS is kind of fun in that respect because there's just always there are so many playbooks there's blocking and tackling things to do and like you can there's just always almost something you can, some best practice you can pull off the shelf and just experiment with and, and potentially improve your business. And it's, it's kind of fun. Like if you're a student of it, you can kind of just, uh, there's, a, there's a lot there to experiment with. I mean, it's, it's on the one hand, it's like, it can be frustrating because you feel like you're constantly behind on all these optimizations, but also like there's no shortage of them to tackle at any given moment. So totally. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. It's an optimizer's dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I had this thought the other day, which is like running a SaaS business is so interesting. Like I, I, I'm finding it so professionally fulfilling. And I wonder how many 
developers could pull this off and enjoy it and like maybe should like i wonder how much of my audience maybe of this podcast or on twitter or whatever is like has been thinking about it or might consider doing it and i just had this like kind of idle thought of like i wish i could help help more people do this this is it's such an interesting place to be in life and if there are people i wonder if there are people who like just need a nudge or some questions answered or a course or a book or something that would help like turn them into people that would try this yeah yeah there's an increasing number of people all the time i'm just seeing like taking the plunge and attempting to build in public and work on a SaaS on the side. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's kind of a momentum behind people wanting to take a stab at that in part, probably because podcasts like this, where it's like a couple, couple founders just talking about doing it and hopefully inspires people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, uh, I remember one thing that helped, helped me was like, I went to microconf and I remember meeting people, who had like pretty successful businesses and i was like this person doesn't seem that smart mm-hmm. like this does yeah. not seem like a crazy outlier who i just couldn't imagine being as effective as I was like these are normal humans and i probably maybe i can do this too yeah yep totally so let's keep sharing when we do stupid things yeah yeah to help totally. emphasize <laughs> that uh it's not all You're we're not humans. just making great decisions over here Mm-hmm. Um, one other piece of news from the week that was sort of sort of a little a little gift was found out that um, one of my one of my competitors is shutting down. Hey, that's so nice of them. Yeah, I know. So X.ai, they're like one of the original tools, like sort of build themselves as AI, but attempting to like, you know, CC an, a bot email address and then the bot would chime in with like helping coordinate times whatever they've been around a long time like i think seven years the product was in existence and i think they just they got acquired in may by i think it's like an events company or something uh so not like a direct not like they were acquired by another scheduling tool like they were acquired by this company that's doing a little bit different stuff and i think they want to just fold their technology into their platform but didn't didn't want to keep the scheduling product around so so like two months later you know note blog post from the CEO about sunsetting the product. Basically that's a fascinating development. Um, I think there's thousands of customers that were using them for, for scheduling. And so trying to do a little bit of, a little bit of hustle here to, um, to get a, an importer spun up real quick. Cause they allow you to export your, your links. So I want to have like, just like a little wizard that lets you import your, your scheduling links and automatically populate them in, in a SavvyCal account. And um, and hopefully get listed on their alternative tools page. They have a page that kind of lists just like some of the biggest tools in the in the industry, and um, we're obviously would be a newer a newer one to appear on that list. But um, hopefully, if we like build this nice importer, I mean, it's it's a good it's a win for their customers too. If it's a really smooth on ramp. Yeah. So well, if anyone in the audience has a connection to someone yeah. there, please hook yeah. Derek up. Please, please do. I appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, what a man! Gotta got love a competitor shutting down. What could be better than that? I know, I know, totally. Yeah, that's the thing about that's. I guess that's like one of the things about just sort of being in the game mm-hmm. is like sometimes these like good opportunities just come along, and if you're if you're out there and doing it and have a good reputation and have been doing good work, sometimes you just get a little yep. uh, a gift from the the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we've very much been the recipients of those. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, you only you only get that good like you get the bad luck too, but you only get the good luck if you're out there and mm-hmm. doing stuff. Yeah. It's a whole luck surface area concept, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Should we call it? I think we should. The uh men's Olympic climbing finals are happening right now. Oh, nice. Uh so I'm gonna I think I'm gonna watch a little bit of that real quick. Very good. Just to find out who the best climber is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good. Good catching up. Yeah, you too. Yeah. We should do this uh, more regularly. Let's let's do it next week. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye bye.